Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It is Wednesday, June 8th, 2016, and we're covering healthcare news from ASCO, which was a huge cancer research conference that happened last week. And we'll touch on a big data release from Biogen that sent the stock down almost 13% yesterday. I'm Christine Hargis, and I've got Todd Campbell on the line. He is one of our Motley Fool healthcare writers. What's going on, Todd? Hi, Christine. Uh, I don't know if it's happening for you or for listeners, but I feel like it's raining tree pollen right now. Oh, my gosh. Yesterday, I was sharing an Uber with a girl who was just sneezing the entire ride down. So I wasn't affected, fortunately, but I guess it's pretty bad here in Alexandria as well. Maybe we should uh, do a show coming up on allergy drugs soon. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's healthcare. We're allowed to do that. We can talk about allergen. That's that's allergen. You know, it's basically the same, right? There you go. Anywho, so our first topic of the day, as I mentioned, is ASCO, which was the American Society of Clinical Oncology. They had their really important meeting where a lot of drug developers will present data and other interesting tidbits. It was held in Chicago. So you highlighted for me a loser and a couple of winners when we were talking before the show. Let's take the bad news first. That's generally my preference. So you called out Immunomedics as a loser. Why? This has got to be the strangest thing I've ever seen um, <laughs> in years of following healthcare out of ASCO. Uh, Immunomedics is, is a small cap company that's working on cancer drugs, right? And its shares had taken off uh, earlier this year after ASCO had granted approval for it to make a presentation, an oral presentation on one of its drugs that uh, treats triple negative breast cancer. The presentation was supposed to go off on Friday, but on Thursday night, ASCO sent management a note saying, sorry, uh, we're not going to let you present after all. That seems like it came pretty last minute. I mean, did they not know going into it that they were going to say this? Well, what's weird about this, and I think that you know, a lot of investors sold off shares on Friday, not really fully understanding what ASCO was saying. But what's interesting about this is that ASCO wasn't pulling the presentation because of, say, it didn't you know, believe the efficacy or the validity of what Immunex was going to say. Instead, it was because of a, we'll call it a technical formality in that, you know, at ASCO, if you're going to present, you have very strict rules on embargoing information. And apparently, Immunomedics uh, management uh, outlined or detailed the information it was scheduled to present at an industry conference in April that violated those embargo rules, and thus, they got yanked. And interestingly, the results were actually not that great that the company did eventually present, but the stock was down 14% on Friday just due to this formality. And then later, they had you know kind of fairly disappointing results, and it went down even further. But the fact that that many people dropped out due to what's essentially just an asterisk on, on the rules kind of signals to me that ASCO is used by a lot of short-term traders as this big catalyst event where you bid up shares beforehand, hoping for big news, and then you'll profit on the news. That's just not very foolish to me. No, and you know, it, it just if if this teaches investors or reminds investors of any lessons, I think what it's the this is saying more about short-term trading than it's saying about, you know, Anything else, the quality or the qu- of the drug, or, or investing in biotech or anything, 
you know, as is usually the case when it comes to investing, buy the rumor, sell the news. Well, you know, you the people bought ahead of the the potential for a post ASCO pop, and of course, with no ASCO presentation, there was no pop. So you know, they bailed and and went to on to look for other ideas. Um, I, I I don't. That being said, I don't think that this is necessarily a stock that people want to bargain hunt. Um, you know, it's got a negative book value. It's got you know a little bit of cash, but it's got more debt than it has cash, um, and it's got a drug that's intriguing. That looks like it works pretty well in pre-treated patients with triple negative breast cancer, but it's still uncertain when they could file and if the FDA would accept that filing early or not, and when it could eventually even reach the market if it does. So enough of the the loser, one of potentially many losers from this conference, and maybe on to some winners. It seemed like the CAR T developers were in general taking victory laps. We haven't talked about CAR T lately on the show. Um, you know, we I, talked about let's it. Let's remind bunch. listeners what it is. Good idea. Yeah, we talked a lot about it last year, but you know, just to give a, a kind of like a, a quick ten second elevator pitch on it, what you're talking about is a is a type of cancer drug that. We'll call it. It re-energizes or supercharges the immune system to better find and destroy cancer, uh, or the cells, cancer cells, um, and it does that by removing the T cells from the patient's bodies, re-engineering to be able to find particular proteins that cells exhibit, and then reintroducing those cells back into the patient's body, uh, setting those T cells loose to go and find and, and kill those cancer cells. It's a very, very interesting and intriguing um, proposition. And the data that came out at ASCO certainly adds to the, the support to the concept that CAR-Ts could be a game-changing way of treating uh, blood cancer specifically. Did any particular companies stand out to you? The two companies that I think are the ones that are investable for, you know, or should be considered by investors are Juno Therapeutics and Kite Pharma. Those two companies are both working on um, pro programs that address um, significant unmet need uh, in things like acute lymphoblastic leukemia, for example. Um, you know, Juno, which is actually teamed up with Celgene, uh, had a bunch of different data come out at ASCO uh, on JCAR 15, JCAR 14, JCAR 17. Um, I think that the the thing that investors need to know is that you know what the the news that came out or what they released at ASCO was that these drugs work incredibly well versus um, what's on the market today. You know, JCAR fifteen had cure, uh, complete responses in up to ninety one percent of patients um, that that were dosed. At JCAR fourteen had responses one hundred percent of patients with relapsing acute lymphoblastic leukemia responded to that treatment. JCAR 17, 93% of pediatric and young adult patients with ALL uh, saw a complete remission. Just really pretty astounding results in, this, um, in these patient populations. Yeah, these numbers were pretty amazing, very, very encouraging. 
But the thing to remember for investors is that these are still fairly early stage companies. So let's say you wanted to take a highlight from ASCO of a larger company. Something that stood out to me was AbbVie. We finally got a little bit of information on a purchase that AbbVie made in April of this past year for $5.8 billion. They bought a company called Stemcentrics, essentially for their lead candidate, which is called Rova T. And we finally got some more information about this drug. A lot of investors were kind of shaking their heads. Who's Stemcentrics, and why are they paying five point eight billion dollars for it? And um, we got a little bit more insight into that at ASCO. Absolutely, you know, Rova T is under development as a treatment for uh, small cell lung cancer. Um, small cell lung cancer is very hard to treat. It affects thousands of patients. Thousands of patients, unfortunately, pass away every year because of it. And in trials. Uh, Rova T does a better job at shrinking uh, tumor sizes than what many people may otherwise um, have seen in the past. You know, specifically, you know, they took a look at a patient population of about 60 people. Um, Rova T targets a particular protein called DL DLL3 that's expressed on small cell lung cancer tumors. Um, um, of those people, there were 26 patients that had very high levels of expression of that DLL3, and 40% roughly of those patients responded to this therapy, and 89% of those patients had stable disease. That's really, really impressive uh, given you know the, the poor prognosis for small cell lung cancer. And I, I just like this drug's story. So it's an antibody conjugate, which means it's double-sided. And it kind of works like a Trojan horse. So the protein binds to this DLL3 and it's invited inside of the tumor cell, the, the cancerous cells. And so then it's inside, snuck in, and it releases the other component of the drug, which is an extremely potent chemotherapy drug. So that's a really good story. And we've warned on this show in the past not to get too, too excited about stories. I, Todd, you might disagree with me here, but I actually didn't think that the data seemed that promising. It didn't really look like they provided results that were that much better than the current standard of care. And so there are some positives still here. I mean, it has an orphan drug designation, which means that if it gets approved, AbbVie could be reimbursed for a huge chunk of the expenses incurred in the development. But it seems to me like small cell lung cancer is not going to be the indication that makes up for the whole $5.8, $5.8, I wish it was $5.8, $5.8 billion purchase. And so, it leaves me wondering, are there other cancer types that overexpress DLL3? And could AbbVie take this drug and target those? If so, then this might have been an incredibly smart purchase. But for now, I'm kind of hesitant about this decision. Well, the answer is yes. I mean, they think that they can use this drug in, in various tumors that uh, uh, also express DLL3, and that has AbbVie's management thinking that this drug could, again, conceivably, right, management's always bullish, um, generate $5 billion in annual sales someday. Um, that's a pretty pie-in-the-sky forecast. Yeah, if that's um, true, then that's a great price. Yeah, and and you know you taking you take a risk when you buy drugs that are in mid stage trials, you take a risk, right? So Avi is taking a risk, right? Could Rova T fail, fall flat on its face, end up being a dud? Absolutely. Could it also, you know, become a very large and important cancer fighting drug? 
Absolutely. So, you know, Avi's management had to weigh those two things and figure out, okay, how de-risked is this program and what's the likelihood of this thing succeeding? And I think that what you may have seen out of ASCO is people were looking for, you know, this drug to be a silver bullet and they're a little bit disappointed that maybe it's not as, as magical as maybe they had hoped to have seen. Um, but this is still, I think, solid data. Um, a registrational study, uh, enabling study, is slated to begin later this year. Theoretically, data will read out on that study next year. If it's good, then the company can file for approval. If it's not, then all bets are off. Gotcha. So, speaking of high-risk, high-reward propositions, I want to turn to the last topic of the day, which is Biogen, which, as a general stock within the healthcare space, is not your typical high-risk, high-reward stock. But they have a couple of trials going on that are fairly risky. They're not obvious wins. And there was a lot of hope tied to this one particular trial that was known as the Synergy trial that was in multiple sclerosis and unfortunately had pretty bad news delivered yesterday that the drug Antilingo failed to meet both primary and secondary endpoints. Biogen's a biotech goliath. They got tons of financial firepower and that financial firepower is being used to take a couple moonshots. And one of those moonshots was this drug that you just mentioned, Antilingo 1. Um, they were studying Antilingo 1 as a potential first ever drug that could be used to reverse the effects of multiple sclerosis. If you followed Biogen at all, and I'm sure some of our listeners have, they are already a giant in multiple sclerosis treatment. However, all of their uh, therapies simply delay disease progression. They don't reverse the course of this disease. Unfortunately, the trial results showed that Antilingo 1 did not, it wasn't effective and it actually didn't even slow the progression of the disease. It's kind of a, a lose-lose in that regard. And this was extremely disappointing because the drug was hoped to be the first ever drug to be able to actually repair the damaged myelin sheath that is involved with this disease, so to actually be able to reverse it. Right, the myelin sheath, that, that basically covers part of the cell in the central nervous system uh, that allows for the fast transmission of signals and you know, once it gets damaged by, it's usually damaged by an inflammation or immune system reaction. Um, that signaling gets thrown out of, out of, off kilter, if you will, and that causes the symptoms of the disease. If you could repair the myelin sheath, then theoretically you could restore that fast signaling. Unfortunately, that didn't that didn't happen in this trial. But that being said, Biogen is still the market share leader in what is roughly a $17 billion market for multiple multiple sclerosis. Why is that so hard to say? MS treatments. <laughs> um, right. and the, the company was down 12.7% yesterday, which for a stock that huge, that's a really, really large tank. And so the question that I have for you, Todd, and we'll kind of wrap up the show with it, going forward, is Biogen a buy, a sell, or a hold? It's a buy. It's a buy. Listen, you know, this is a biotech Goliath. It's on the same uh, level as owning a Celgene or a Gilead. It needs to be a core holding in biotechnology portfolios. They've got still got tons of drugs in the pipeline. They're doing some in 
really interesting research on Alzheimer's disease. They're, you know, fairly well insulated from competition in multiple sclerosis, and they're growing their top and the bottom line still. So I think that this is a stock that people tuck in, they buy it on sale, and they worry, you know, they rec recognize that, yes, trials fail, some trials will succeed, and on balance, you know, Biogen has the, I guess, the financial firepower to get it through those stumbles like it endured this past week. I have to say, I don't disagree with you much, but I actually am not quite as bullish here. I mean, it seems to me like they might be losing grip on the MS market a little bit. You have new therapies coming to market. You've got uh, Novartis with Jelenia. Um, Biogen right now it seems to be relying pretty heavily on these moonshots. I mean, they had Antilingo 1, and we just discussed that whole story and how disappointing that was. They have another Alzheimer's candidate that is also as much, if not more, of a moonshot, and it could be huge. But to me, when I'm looking at buying a big, relatively safe biotech, I don't want to buy it because of small chance moonshots. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you that, right? Because Alzheimer's disease, especially, is extremely uh, hard to treat. Um, there are no cures, and uh, the failure rate in clinical trials is about ninety nine percent. And yet, I so, still think a lot of the valuation of this company is tied to hopes for that drug. I don't know. You're only paying 12 or 13 times earnings to buy this company right now. I, I think that they'll be okay, and I think that they'll be able to, if they, you know, even if their pipeline doesn't generate out um, the multi-billion block, dollar blockbusters, I think they still have plenty of interesting opportunities. I also like the idea of owning it to get the potential for the spinoff of its hemophilia drugs uh, later this year, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other show. Yeah, we could probably do an entire show about Biogen. We'll we'll add it to the ideas list. <laughs> um, so I guess for now we'll agree to disagree. And listeners, you know, dig in uh, to this story, read up. We've got plenty of great articles on Fool.com, not only about Biogen but also about the different ASCO data readouts and news on every company that we've discussed today, as well as a handful of others. So have fun reading up, Todd. Thanks so much for your thoughts today and helping me get this news out there. And as always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. For Todd Campbell, I'm Christine Hargis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!